Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just assume most people, and I know I kind of said this last week, but I think most people, and you're right, January's been nuts the last couple of years. It's kind of been the hottest month from what I've seen. But I think this year we will see things differ. Now, uh, no guarantee of that, but I think people are going to be at least conscious, much more conscious of their spending in 2023. And yeah. I think that will, if people are kind of teeter-tottering, that wait-and-see mentality will probably expand from you know let's wait and see six months to let's wait till maybe 2024 and see where things sit you're listening to the ottawa real estate podcast with your hosts paul stevenson david warren and greg campbell let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today yeah here we are here we are sorry i was looking at the wrong screen and we are back (laughs) the ottawa real estate podcast (laughs) it must be monday uh welcome we are here yeah, my name is Paul Stevenson. I am a mortgage agent, and I'm joined with uh, David Warren, also a mortgage agent. And uh, Greg Campbell is a managing director and a realtor at the agency Ottawa. At the agency. And uh, we're back. It's almost December. The world has gone mad. The real estate market is <laughs> staying mad. And uh, I just wanted to... Uh, let everyone know that we're heading into the holiday season and let's spread some cheer. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> How was the weekend? Hooray. How's everyone doing? Weekend was good. I actually worked all weekend. I showed homes all weekend. Hmm. And how many did you show? I showed 12. Wow. Okay. 12. That's active. And in that, in those showings, I worked with four different sets of buyers so that's that was very interesting to see the change out of nowhere suddenly everyone was like let's go out this weekend i haven't had that in months you know with a lot of people just sitting on the fence and now all of a sudden everyone's like okay so i think a lot of people are trying to get into something before christmas and with the prices where they're at now i don't blame them at all yeah i agree I agree. Were they I, uh, people that were sitting on the sidelines for a while or are they new? There, one was new um, that I'd been wait, waiting for a, a pre-approval. They had some stuff to get in order. And mm. um, another was clients I've been working with slowly. Two of them were clients I've been working with slowly. And uh, actually another one, uh, another set of clients was uh, from the uh, avid uh, listeners to the podcast. Hello to them. Hello to them. Brooke and Bettina found us online and... Uh, and it nice. was love and it was love they were amazing <laughs> and we were we were looking at rural so i had luca helping me with that a bit uh he was out in winchester and stuff but um anyways yeah so a lot, it, was, it was cool to be out and see a lot of different different styles of properties and where uh, where it's at in terms of pricing and a lot of mm-hmm. price reductions anyways let's not just keep with that let's go into your weekend david tell me about your weekend how was it my weekend was good i uh Took an easy Friday home, uh, and then was out for my father-in-law's birthday on uh, on Saturday. Nice. So that was uh, yeah. Just got out for dinner. Got a uh, got a sitter to look after the baby. Wow, that's a big move, yeah. eh? Sitters. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially when the sitters are the ones that you're out for dinner with. That's kind of uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. it's an alternate. Yeah, exactly. Well, usually we just bring them with us, but you know, we figured. Yeah. You figured what? Why not let loose? Why not? Why not let Why him not? loose tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and what Paul do there, the muted coughing guy? <laughs> went down the wrong tube, I think. <laughs> tube. 
Oh wow, he's, oh, he's struggling. He's struggling. Over there. Wow. He's oh wow, struggling. that was wild. It was one of those ones where, like, I felt it. I'm like, okay, don't cough yet. I actually had time to like mute it first, <laughs> and then died. <laughs> um, what did I do this weekend? Friday, I hung out with my son. Uh, he came early. We watched the England game in the World Cup. It was great. And then uh, Saturday, I don't know, guys. This is challenging. Saturday, we uh, we had his soccer, and then my son had a hockey game. Oh, we had the event. Wow. We had an event for the Boys and Girls Club that I know I've talked about on the show. Uh, oh, it was right. great. That was Saturday, yeah. We had uh, we have five of the kids from the actual Boys and Girls Club who have graduated from the from school, basically, from the edu- <clears throat> education fees through the mission. And uh, they were actually there performing, which was pretty amazing. Uh, it was a good turnout. Probably had over 100 people there, which was awesome. Uh, still kind of calculating total... Uh, Total fundraised, but uh, it was a great event. One of the five is heading back Wednesday, and the other four are actually in the process of uh, getting extensions on their visas uh, for work visas. So that's awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. So it was a great weekend uh, all together. Food was great. It was from the African Grill on Clyde. If anyone has been uh, or hasn't been, you should. It was delicious. Had some good. Haven't been, but have been wanting (laughs) to try some new things. So it's good to know. Yeah, it was no, it was really good. It was a good time. And then Sunday, um, Sunday we relaxed. I think my the son unfortunate worked. Canada loss. Yeah, it was a tough, yeah. tough loss. Watch the game, but good to have that that day of rest. Day eh? the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Yeah. Sabbath. <laughs> I always practice the Sabbath. Yeah, and listen to it. And listen to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's hop into it, Greg. You got some. You got some stats. I got some stats. stats. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on top of this now with my little uh, my slides and um, just what people come work. for. That's what they're here for. What they come for. There was actually a, a gentleman. Uh, I the name escapes me now, but he emailed me asking for the slides. He's gathering data um, on Ottawa real estate, and he just asked if he could have that. So yeah, I'm going to send him these as well. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I know a podcast. Court case against Greg Campbell. Yeah, wrong stats, wrong yeah. information. <laughs> Who is this guy? Uh, so let's let's get into this. So I did Orleans, Barhaven last week, Orleans this week. Next week I'll do Canada. So crazy guys, this is just astonishing. Uh, monthly stats. So this is four weeks ending November twenty eighth today. So Orleans detached homes right now ninety one active. Averaging 52 days on market at a sales price at a list price of 825,000. Mm. 11 conditionally sold, 96 days on market average at a at a conditional sales price of 800,000. Sold, 35 sold in the last four weeks, averaging 30 days on market at an average price of 677 thousand dollars. So that's crazy. And now, to be clear, I removed the really low stuff. Uh, like the mobile homes out here in Orleans in one location. And I also took out a couple like over $2 million homes. So I left it, but I did leave it between like 500 and a million five, I think it was. And the average price is 677. So that still though, that's, that's low, man. Um, And then, so the average thing, the average uh, in 2021, 67 sold at the same time, 11 days on market, averaging 735,000. Now, 735,000 makes more sense to me than the 677, but this yeah. is the numbers for the last four weeks. So that's that's what that is. But look at the uh, days, the days on market, you know, over three months for the conditionally sold. Conditionally sold. I 100, know, 123,000 over the ones that are only staying on for 30 days. So so obviously there's further price adjustments there that need to happen, you, you'd think. 
You'd think so. Don't mind I mean, we'll the see. Tail <laughs> flying through the screen. We'll, we'll see. Um, let's get into the towns and semis. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like this is where most people shop. So, sixty-four active, averaging forty-five days on market. Six hundred thousand is the average list price now. Conditionally sold eight. There's eight conditionally sold, averaging forty-three days on market at a price of five hundred and sixty-eight thousand. Nine sold. At 37 days on market, 565,000 is the average sales price. And a year ago, same time, 60 sold, seven days on market, 577 was the average okay. price. So the ones that sold the last four weeks versus last year is uh, below, 12,000 below last year's sales price for towns and semis. Now, the ones at 600 that are active, I mean, what are those going to go for? 45 days on market. There's something I need to add to this. There's something that I need to add to this. I also checked what townhomes were selling for in Orleans in March. Uh-oh. Does anyone want to guess what the average sales price was in March? 675. 690. Oh. Isn't that wild? I think that's a I mean, that's that's the end of that. I don't need to say anything else about that. Let's get into condos here. Uh, Orleans condos active 12 active th- averaging 35 days on market 479,000 is the average price conditionally sold zero uh, sold eight in the last four weeks 37 days on market 392,000 same time 2021 38 sold 19 days on market 387,000 so the condos as we've discussed before the condos are still around the same if not higher and that's pretty much across the city Condos uh, have based, you know, they've 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 stayed steady. Is what I'm trying to say. If I could speak, <laughs> get it together, Greg. Get it together, Greg. Now let's get into Orleans rentals. Now, not not as big as Barhaven last week with 178 active or whatever that crazy number was. 86 active, 23 days on market average. 2400 is the average list price for rentals right now. However, of the 36 rented, they were on the market for an average of 26 days and the average price is 2,200. 2021, it's almost exactly the same. 37 rented, 25 days on market, 2,200. So there you go. For rentals, it's clear that that is where they're at. You know, it's the same, same as last year. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And the, obviously the people listing are trying to um, demand slightly higher, um, obviously with costs going up, but it goes to show you that those getting into them are either negotiating lower or um, people dropping their, their price in order to get rid of, get them rented. Well, that's the thing. It's like they have to make a decision of uh, whether, you know, if they're losing, they just have to make that decision of mm-hmm. they're, they're going to lose, decide how much they're going to lose and... Did you say price or did you say pants, David? When you said pants, pants drop, pants price. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's uh, that's it. So this is basically unanimous across the city. Like every, I mean, I'm sure we'll look at another, you know, demographic next week uh, with your fantastic stats. But I mean, there's I can't can't wait to see Canada. Yeah, there's clearly some consistency here to the to the decreases. Mm -hmm. There's a trend. You know, and I, I personally feel that we're, we're at around the bottom. 
I know there's talk about it being worse in the first quarter across Canada. I don't think Ottawa is going to be as affected any more than it is right now. I could be wrong, but I just, I have this sense that, that we're good. And I have noticed that a lot of properties that haven't sold are coming off the market. The conversations I'm having are showing that sellers are more inclined that they still want to sell, but they're going to wait until spring. So those are going to come back on whether at the same price or not. Um, and with those ones coming off, the opportunities are here now for the ones that are available. And that's why I always say shop, you know, shopping between now and, and Christmas or the, or January, second week of January is a great time. Um, after that, the ones that aren't sold, who knows, like maybe, maybe the inventory will come down depending on what happens this month. And then the ones that start coming up in January, when everybody has been waiting, the, the ones yeah. that have been on pause for, uh, for now until early next year, maybe they'll come back. So I, I don't know, but you know, the last few Januaries, just that's when the madness, it goes crazy. <laughs> busy. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it'll be, it's not going to be the same by any means as what it's been the last few years, but I still think that there's going to be more people out there. And now that they've kind of understood and accepted what's going on uh, with the rates, the only thing that can change um, is that, you know, the inflation factor, right? The cost mm -hmm. of other goods, utilities and stuff. And that's kind of where I see it. If it's, if it's slower than usual, I think it's going to be based more on that than the actual market itself. Yeah, I just, I just assume most people, and I know I kind of said this last week, but I think most people, and you're right, January's been nuts the last couple of years. It's kind of been the hottest month from what I've seen. But I think this year we will see things differ. Now, uh, no guarantee of that, but I think people are going to be at least conscious, much more conscious of their spending in 2023 and yeah. i think that will if people are kind of teeter-tottering that wait and see mentality will probably expand from you know let's wait and see six months to let's wait till maybe 2024 and see where things sit yeah right and and pre sorry dave and pre five years ago you know the, the spring market would usually start like mid end of february mm -hmm. you know that would be considered the beginning of the, of the spring market but every the last couple of years you know by the second week of january it's like everyone was waiting for that first listing in the neighborhood to come up. And once that sold, everybody just started putting their house on the market. And it was nuts because that first house would have like 30 offers on it. I did two of those over the last couple of years. I was the, I was the first house in a few neighborhoods where we were just like, you know, okay, well, let's, let's try it at this price. And then you're selling for like a silly amount. And then all of a sudden it gets flooded. The, um, and it's not, it's, and this isn't just the last two years as well. Um, I, no, you're right. In twenty in twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, um, I remember those Januarys all being busy. They as were busy, well. yeah. um, and and I've sold properties in those uh, at those periods of time. I would do flips, and they would be would buy typically in December or between Christmas and and Jan and New Year's, and <clears throat> and renovate and, and list in February. And it was always extremely busy. I always found, um, and even on just the mortgage side, but um, the I, I was reading a. a some numbers over the weekend saying that they're expecting volumes to still be the same or higher than 2019 through 2023 um, for transactional. So obviously, you know, removing the last two years of 2020 and 2021 out of the equation mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of looking at uh, those numbers from, from, you know, transactional volume, not, right. uh, I don't mean, I don't mean like purchase prices or, or right. mortgage values, but I thought that was an interesting, uh, stat but 
Um, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on was, and I, you know, I just posted here when we're talking about the rentals <clears throat> in Ottawa, you know, we're, we've been seeing kind of in that Barhaven in Orleans, but across Canada, there was an, um, a stat this morning on, uh, on CTV or an article about across Canada, monthly rents being up 20, 15.4% um, based on rentals.ca and what they're seeing. Um, which I thought was an interesting indicator because obviously rentals.ca is across Canada. So picking up all the different markets. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't, you know, clearly we haven't been seeing that too, too much. I mean, there's some, at least in these stats that, you know, we've been looking at the past few weeks, but um, yeah, I'm curious to see how that, how that changes, especially with the, with, you know, the impending rate increase, um, you know, Paul, you, you mentioned that January, we're not expecting it to be as busy. It, certainly, I think with any increase in prime, it's going to slow things down even further because it diminishes people's qualifying and, and uh, kind of sets us back a little bit further. Yeah, I think what, I've, what I'm liking about working with the buyers right now that I have is that, and I've, I've mentioned this before, is that they've started at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what I mean? They... <clears throat> whatever happened previously doesn't matter to them. They're just looking at what they have now and they're, and they're going for it at that rate. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's going to be more of that, uh, more of those buyers coming to market. Um, the ones that have been looking or watching for the last little while are way more hesitant because now they're, you know, they've been through two different cycles here and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, Dave, I have a, a quick question for you, if I may, just cause you mentioned that you used to do flips now the new uh, the new flipping tax that's uh, coming coming forward. I was watching Nolan Mathias. I think I sent that to you guys. He's my favorite guy uh, to watch on on YouTube now about Canadian real estate. And he was saying that you know it's kind of not really going to affect too much. I mean, it, it, or or to think that as a whole that's going to change the Canadian real estate economy because flippers only account for 1.2% of total home sales in Canada every year. Right? So what do you yeah. what do you think about that? I think it's going to be useless. <clears throat> like when I'd flip, it would be um I'd buy I'd have a buying a company and I'm paying tax on that entire gain anyways, right? I mean, they're like, so I've been, you know, as a <clears throat> doing flips as, you know, for kind of as a business, if you will, um, you know, you're paying, you're paying taxes on that entire gain regardless. Like it's not, so that doesn't really change anything. And to your point, like 1.2% of, of properties being, um, are for flippers. Well, I think what's also kind of removed from that is that those properties are being purchased are dilapidated pieces of crap. Like exactly be, that no one can live in any ways that no one wants and they the make banks, it so that people can live in them. Yeah. Or that the banks, like the banks won't finance those either. Um, you know, we bought, like I bought properties from hoarders, um, like animal, like feces and all that. Um, banks will not finance these. Like these aren't any that you can get conventional financing on. You have to go with private financing and have those relationships. And that's the only way of doing them. So it's, these aren't properties that were ever in the regular pool of properties, you know, for the regular buyers. Um, so I don't think it's going to change anything. The people that do it as a business are going to continue doing it as a business. It's just going to be, they're just going to, you know, change the way in which they operate um, from a tax perspective. That's all. So is it optics, David? The headlines 100%. optics. It's yeah. it's crazy and, how, like, I, I see it. I see flippers as a huge benefit to the real estate economy in Canada. Sure, they sure they may, they profit on it, 
but dude, that's their job. That's what they yeah. do. That they're working to do that job. They're not working nine to five uh, and then going and just flipping constantly. You know, and nobody's I mean? getting hurt the, in the, the ones, process. The ones that are running it as a business are doing it as their job, mm-hmm. and they're creating homes for people that otherwise wouldn't have homes, or taking homes like you said that are just falling apart and making them better to live in. So it, yeah. it blows my mind that. There's so many people who think that like tax the flippers, that's going to help us all. Or the other thing that I was talking about, the 1%, the 1% vacant vacancy uh, tax. Like, are you kidding me? And I was, I was saying, I was telling you guys in the column, someone posted up saying, you know, letting everybody know about the vacancy tax 1%. If, uh, if your house is vacant for 12 months or whatever, you're going to be taxed uh, like 1% of your total property tax. And my comment was, I go, so basically like no one, anyone who's leaving their house vacant doesn't care about the extra percent. You know, if it was 10, 20%, maybe that would, you know, they'd be like, oh, okay, well, I don't really want to spend the extra, you know, grand or two. But then the bottom line is like, how much, how many millions, how many millions of, of Canadian taxpayers dollars went into the meetings and the planning to put this law into effect? I go, so basically all the tax money that, is accrued through this 1% thing is, is not even going to pay back the money that the, the Canadian citizens paid to put the law to in put it back. together. That's, that's how I see it. Anyways, I think it's, it's ridiculous. And I can't believe that the Canadian people look at these things and they're like, Oh, it's amazing. Like the government is helping us. It's like, no man, they're making it worse. You're just not reading it. Right. So I think, <clears throat> I think a couple of these, like the vacancy tax and the uh, flipper flipping tax, a lot of these were were brought up during the pandemic when housing was going crazy and looking for headline grabbers, um, things that don't have any impact really, um, but that will make it seem as though um, provincially, municipally, federally, those specific governments and those parties are focusing on like housing and really trying to make a difference um, instead of actually addressing core underlying issues, um, just coming up with headline grabbers. And so certainly to your point, I mean, this isn't going to change anything. Um, you know, home values aren't significant enough in, in Ottawa. When you've got it in Vancouver, where properties are $20 million and the, the annual tax is, you know, 200000 then yeah, that, that makes a little bit of a difference. But, um, but really, how much, you know, there's not properties that are st- sitting vacant in Ottawa for 12 and 12 months, two years. Only the, like that, only the ones that haven't been renovated by flippers that are empty. Those yeah. are the ones that are or, sitting vacant. <laughs> or waiting on their uh, permits, uh, as we've seen in, you know, in many articles about uh, permits and, and development, is how long that process takes. So I think that's, that's really where the vacancies stay, come by, is that people can't actually action building properties on that land or, uh, or renovating that property because they're just having to wait for almost a year for, for any sort of development permits. Dave, are you saying we need to build more homes faster? Build better, faster. <laughs> because uh, there's an act for that. Um, actually, in an article Build this better, morning, faster, now. Yeah. Um, in an article this morning, uh, City of Ottawa staff are warning the Ontario government's proposed changes to development charges could cost $60 million a year, leaving taxpayers on the hook to fund future growth in the capital. They have kind of a four-step uh, plan that they're going to do. Uh, this is under Bill 23. And it's called the Development Charges Act. So it says in phase one, 
uh, sorry, in number one, phase in of annual development charge collection. So it says Stevenson, Stevenson, not uh, spelled the same way, says the five-year phase in of development charge rates in new bylaws will cost $26 million a year over $130 million or $130 million over five years. Mandatory reductions in development charge revenues over five years will create an infrastructure funding gap between the collection of development charges and the financing of the required growth-related capital projects needed to proceed with new development. Uh, number two says removal of affordable housing as an eligible service category. So we've been talking about affordable housing for years now. It says the city estimates removing affordable housing development charges will impact revenue by approximately $2 million per year or $10 million, 10 million over 10 years. According to the memo saying the estimate is based on actual growth-related funding over the last five years. Number three, removal of land as a recoverable cost for certain service categories. Uh, so it says under Bill 23, the cost to acquire land for specific growth-related service categories can be exempted as an eligible expense if prescribed. Uh, and number four, development charge background studies. So the proposed amendment of no longer funding development charge background studies would create an annual pressure of $2 million a year. And exemptions of housing services from development charge recovery will result in a loss of $1 million in capital funding a year. <clears throat> so... I'll be honest, when I saw the headline, I was thinking that they were going to be uh, removing red tape, which is, I mean, some of these things will, but I mean, we've been talking about the issue with development right now is the cost to get it going, right? The, the, so it seems like they're saying some of that cost is going to be passed off to taxpayers, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, <clears throat> if there's no homes to be built and everything keeps going, the cost of everything keeps going up, uh, I mean, Taxpayers are paying for it either way. All the money that's been created, as we said over the last couple of years, like we're paying for it in the form of inflation and, and taxes and everything else. Uh, I saw recently that the carbon tax, the refunds are giving people, don't even cover the cost. I think, I think they were saying the the cost for Ontario, I think, was going to increase by a net fourteen hundred dollars a year for the average Canadian, <clears throat> for the average Ontarian, and the. That's after the rebate. So, you know, you might get a rebate of $600, but you're paying $2,000. So you're still netting an increase of $1,400 a year. So the the, re the rebate is, again, optics sounds great. We're going to give everyone $600. I don't know the exact number, so don't quote me on that. Um, we're going to give everyone X amount, hundreds of dollars. Uh, but net, you're still going to pay an extra $1,400. So it's kind of just like putting a Band-Aid on, on an open wound, you know? The, so, you know, to your point about the uh, development fees and, and all that i mean really the citizens are paying taxpayers are paying in the in the end of the day of higher prices on those new builds mm. or developers are incurring it for affordable housing or for rental units and passing that on to renters in the form of higher rents because they need higher revenues in order to cover the associated costs with that development so they're paying it regardless also if you speed up housing and you have more properties then there's more property tax dollars as well and more citizens able to live in the city and be able to pay additional taxes to infrastructure and everything so um kind of being short-sighted looking at that that a 25 percent reduction in, in development fees is going to be this huge detrimental impact well you know something tells me there's probably also some of those services that don't need as many municipal workers <laughs> working on them um you know, from an efficiency standpoint, so maybe they'll actually look at their look at their budget in that in that regard too. But I don't think it's uh, I think it's very short sighted sticking a, a price tag on it for for headlines again. When like build more prop build more units, you've got more property taxes, you've got more citizens being able to live here, 
paying income taxes here, paying, you know, for goods and services, contributing in many other factors, well more than that 60 million they're um, quoting to be, you know, that mm-hmm. they'll be losing. That's, I mean, in my opinion. I saw my first uh, example of re- true affordable housing. Uh, I, I couldn't find the article. It was this, these, uh, this group of companies in New York that got together and they bought this old hotel and they renoed it. And they actually moved in like people who live on like a super low fixed income. Um, I think there were some veterans, uh, homeless, and they charged them, I think it's only $100 a month. And it's a very small one room with like a little kitchenette and, um, and whatever, but it's $100 a month. And it's like true affordable housing for people that have next to nothing. And I was like, man, I'm like, that's, I'm like, there needs to be more of that. And I think, you know, based on where a lot of people uh, who have been successful with private money and want to give back, I think we're going to see more of that. And it's just going to basically, you know, point to our government saying like, this is what you guys should be doing. This is where our money should be going to help the people that are truly vulnerable and actually need help, but they're not doing it because as we know what affordable housing looks like in Canada, it's not that, and they're not doing anything like that. So if I find that article, I'll, I'll share it. I'll bring it in next week, but I thought it was awesome. It'd be called uh, neighborhood average housing. Yeah. Neighborhood average. affordable. <laughs> sure. The NAH neighborhood Neighborhood uh, affordable housing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think that was a great summary. Uh, I just wanted to go back to the the flipper tax. I just think something like that is such a victimless, uh, I wouldn't say it's a crime, but I mean, to tax, like there's no victims in that whole thing. Like either you're the home buyer who's getting a brand new renovated home. You're the neighbor who owns a home who is getting your home value increased because of the, you know, update to that property. You're the investor themselves who's taking on all the risk to potentially make a small gain. And <clears throat> you're getting a new home put it back on the market that wasn't previously available. So I don't know who in that situation is losing. But to tax those people, as you said, like it just seems like it's completely about optics. I just don't see any advantage to dis- like to dissuading people or, or making them feel less interested in upgrading our homes. We have a lot of homes in Ottawa that are... 60 80 100 years old that are dilapidated like they need to be updated so mm-hmm. if you're trying to uh you know make people less interested in in updating those like that that to me is just a a net negative gain you know negative mm-hmm. whatever a net loss to that point paul uh, this weekend when i was showing homes, <laughs> the double I negatives two, i saw two homes that were um that, that were flips and they bought early this year they put in, I think each was about 125, 150,000 in, in updates. Right now, can't sell them, price reductions. They're losing, based on their purchase price alone and what they invested in, before commissions, they're already losing half of what they invested and in how beautiful they made these properties. So that's another thing to consider. You know, these guys are just like, they're going out there trying to make something nice, but they've accepted it. They're like, you know what? market changed, whatever we got to get out. So, I mean, there's no guarantees. Like you can put in, if you have 200,000 and you're going to charge those guys an extra tax, like, yeah, come on. You're putting in 200,000 of your own money, like hard earned money to, to try to update a property. And like I said, you're taking on all the risk. Like, you know, you invest 200, you might get say 300 out of it, but that hundred thousand net gain is 
all risks. Like it stays on the market too long. The market shifts, rates go up. Like all these things are have to be factored in and you're taking mm-hmm. all of the risk to maybe have a small gain, like you said, Greg, or lose, right? And you're mm-hmm. still getting basically looked at as the, uh, as the, as the enemy somehow, or, or somehow uh, a negative aspect to the whole uh, economy or the market, which I think is, is very foolish. What do I know? Short-sighted. <clears throat> well, what do I know? Or a mood boost? I was going to say all these negatives. I think we need a boost <laughs> to our mood. <laughs> so I do have some additional World Cup jokes, but I feel like they're almost too too dad jokeish. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the uh, I'm gonna go off the World Cup. Last week was enough. Turned me off completely. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, okay, so I got four today. Number one, uh, why did the fish blush? Because it saw the lake's bottom. Mm. Not the bottom. Mm. Sandy bottom. Number two. Uh, I was going to start a bourbon company, but I heard it's whiskey business. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Thanksgiving was this past week. So a little uh, topical. I think I'm addicted to Thanksgiving leftovers. I may have to go cold turkey. Turkey sandwiches, one of my favorites. Leftover turkey sandwiches. Number four, um, what do you call an apology written in dots and dashes? A remorse code. A remorse code. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. I like, I yeah. like those. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. I like those. Better than the like World those. Cup jokes. I'll tell yeah, you they're that. Much better than last week's, for sure. Uh, well, gentlemen, what's the rest of the week look like? I'm uh for me I don't know I'm hoping I, I get some stuff uh, done buyers are pretty active right now so we'll see I'll uh, I'll have more details on that next show yeah I have a, I have a few sorry go ahead Dave no no go uh, I was gonna say I'm kind of in the same boat I have a lot of existing clients that are closing in January um, some of them still looking for financing uh, there's been a few uh, few lenders that don't seem to have much of an appetite coming to the end of the year. I don't know if uh, the budgets are dried up, uh, they're running out of funds, but um, it's been challenging to get some approvals in, in some cases. So I'm kind of surprised by that. I thought, you know, lenders would have a, some lenders are super aggressive and super, like have a massive appetite, uh, you know, getting approvals same day. And then other ones are taking weeks and turning them down. So it'll be an interesting market over this coming six months, I think uh, all around, but uh, we'll be here. We'll be here to, uh, to narrate the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Up to gentlemen. You can always tune into the tell rep. All right. See you guys. We'll be back next Deuces. week. Deuces, Deuces everyone. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.